Welcome to the Rafiki Podcast. This is Karen Elliott, and I'm your host of the Rafiki Foundation Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the most essential class of the day for any Christian school or classical Christian school. If you want to avoid mission drift, if you want to teach about virtues, this is the class that every school should have. So today on our Rafiki Foundation podcast, we're going to talk to you a little bit about this distinctive that we have seen in our 10 schools across Africa for the last 20 years. So tune in. Well, today on this podcast, that's about the most essential class of the day for a Christian or a classical Christian school, I have two women with me who have both dedicated their lives to service on the mission field with the Rafiki Foundation. Uh, Each of them have given perhaps at least a decade of their life to living and serving in Africa as missionaries with the Rafiki Foundation. So I have with me today Kelly Four, who has served in Africa, in Rwanda, and also in Uganda as a headmaster of uh, Rafiki School and also running one of our Rafiki Villages. Also have with me Erica Robertson, and Erica also was a head of school in our Rafiki Village, Rwanda, and Rafiki Village in Nigeria. Uh, Both of them, by the way, have their master's degrees from Knox Seminary, uh, and also Erica has a has one from Virginia Tech, and Kelly has one from Covenant College. So there you go. That's a commercial for all of those schools, and so and I'm going to give you a commercial about my school, but that's going to be at the end of this uh, podcast. So I'm delighted to have them. Uh, not only uh, are they women that I respect and admire, I also enjoy working with them. And maybe at the end of this podcast, we'll give you a little bit of a preview of something new that we're doing in Rafiki. So let's go ahead and get started here, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. So first up, um, Eric, I'll let you start first. Uh, Just give a little bit of background information about yourself, you know, where you're from and how you became a missionary and why you went out with Rafiki, and they'd love to get to know you a little bit. Okay. Well, I'm from Appomattox, Virginia. Appomattox. Wait a minute. Is that with like two P's, two T's, and like six X's? I mean, can you give me a little bit of a spelling test well, on that? Well, you're so close. There are two P's, there are two T's, but there's only one X. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I can't imagine trying to fill it in on those forms All if those it was X's. any longer. <laughs> That's in Virginia, right? That's in Virginia, Central Virginia. That's historical. It is. That's where the Civil War ended. Yeah, you know, I was there. <laughs> I was there. People think I'm really old, folks. I really am. So, and but these two put up with me. Okay, very good. <laughs> She's really not. <laughs> All right, carry on. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up in Appomattox, Virginia, and like I like you had said, I went to Virginia Tech, and while I was there, I felt the call to the mission field, and it was just very clear to me that the Lord was leading me to the mission field. It's not something I think you'll hear a little different story from Kelly, but it wasn't really something I had thought about in my youth. Uh-huh. Uh, my church was mission focused, of course, because I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, so very big into missions. And mm-hmm. I learned a lot about missions, but I hadn't thought myself about being a missionary until I went and, and saw 
what was actually not a Christian film. <laughs> it was called uh, Invisible Children, mm -hmm. about the plight of children in Uganda who are being abducted to fight. Okay. Um, and my eyes were open to the suffering uh -huh. of people in various places in the world, but particularly young people in Africa. And because I was a Christian, of course, the solution for me was not to join Invisible Children and helping them with what they do, but it was to to be a missionary mm -hmm. to Africa, mm -hmm. to help um, them have a hope, mm -hmm. but also to help physically mm -hmm. with their needs. Uh, so I searched for different ways that I might do that and um, education, an opportunity for a master's in education came up. And I thought, well, that's a great way to be of service to children. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's what I'll do. So I, I got the master's in education. And then a friend of mine who went on a short-term trip with Rafiki is the one who told me about it. Uh, she knew me very well. And so after her trip, uh, she brought the manual for her short-term mission over to me. And I read through it and was just amazed. Uh, so I came for a training and... The very next day after the short-term missions training, I committed to long-term service. And that was that was also uh, another point. When I felt the call to the mission field, it was not a short-term call. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of opportunities to serve as a, as a single woman short-term on the field. But the opportunities to serve long-term as a woman, mm -hmm. I was thinking 10 years. I didn't really want to consider a one-year stint. Mm -hmm. Um, there weren't that many. Mm -hmm. And so Rafiki provided that excellent opportunity for me, and I'm so glad. So really, it was uh, the dire condition of children mm -hmm. that drew you and kind of, your heart was truly moved yes. to seeing that. Mm -hmm. Why Why Africa? Because uh, there are children in dire condition here in America. Yeah, it's true. And I had been on a trip uh, to Guatemala, too, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so... All I can say it was that it was a call of the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, there are dire conditions for children in America. I had never before, though, seen what I saw yeah. in Africa. Right. I had never seen that. Even when I was in Guatemala, of course, yeah. I was in an orphan home there mm -hmm. on a short-term trip. And it was, it was sad. Mm -hmm. uh, but... It, it was different. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. And I think uh, not everything in Africa is, is poor and at war. I mean, mm -hmm. I think I, I love to help our audience understand that there are middle-class Africans, mm -hmm. there are billionaires in Africa, mm -hmm. there are computers, there are cars, and there are homes. Not mm -hmm. everybody lives in a mud hut. Mm -hmm. However, the, we do see the material needs in Africa being uh, uh, deeper in the continent of Africa than other parts of the world. Uh, and, and and so I, I think, you know, that's part of the call. It mm -hmm. really is. We want to help the poor, but we want to help them with the gospel right. primarily, right? Right, their true hope. <clears throat> right, mm -hmm. and that's what kind of drew you into this and Rafiki mm -hmm. and the education part. So you finished a master's in education mm -hmm. there at Virginia Tech. Yes. Okay, great. And you went out what year? 2010. 2010. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Tell me a little bit about your first couple of weeks. You went to Rwanda, right? <laughs> yes, which some uh, and fairly say is Africa light <laughs> because it is truly really easy to live in yeah. Rwanda. But I was 
young, mm-hmm. right? I had just finished finished my master's degree. I was 23. Mm-hmm. I hadn't traveled a ton coming from a small town. You know, I was used to living in a small town. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it was shocking and a little bit nerve wracking, but yeah. it was also, it, it was right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew that I was going and I wasn't going to turn around and go home. I was going to do something that the Lord had called me to do. Mm -hmm. And so even though, you know, I woke up the first morning thinking, oh, my goodness, where am I and what have I done? done? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Very quickly, as I started to learn my job and and started to get to know the people there, it it just felt like home. Mm -hmm. Felt like you'd come home. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, all right, so that's a good start for getting an introduction to Erica Robertson. So now I'm going to come on over here to Kelly Four. And uh, Kelly, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, where you're from, and how you ended up being a missionary, why, and why Rafiki. Sure. So I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and moved around a lot. That has an X at the end, too. That has an X at the end. We've got Phoenix and Appomattox. It's providential. That's over here. So Phoenix, Arizona, but I did not stay there for very long. We moved around quite a bit throughout my childhood and went to a lot of different schools because of that. Private, public, international for three years in the UK. But when I was in fifth grade, I went to a Christian school over in Tampa, Florida, and I sat under the instruction of Mr. McGoldrick, my fifth grade teacher, and Mr. McGoldrick got me in the habit of daily studying God's word for myself. Um, In the evenings, I'd go home and I'd open up my Bible because of Mr. McGoldrick. And Mm -hmm. I started reading God's Word and I was captivated, captivated by God's love for me and the gospel Mm -hmm. and Jesus Christ and what he had done. And Mm -hmm. when you're captivated by something, when you're filled up with something, it overflows. You want to share it. You're excited about it. And so that's really when the desire to be a missionary was birthed in me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't talk about it too much with very many people Mm -hmm. or publicize it. The Holy Spirit just quietly kept that in me throughout middle school Mm -hmm. and high school. And I went on a lot of missions trips throughout high school and into university and knew a little bit about the Rafiki Foundation through Bible Study Fellowship. Yeah, your mom was a teaching my leader. My mom was a teaching leader. For all you BSFers out there. That's right. And I was in a class growing up. Um, but it wasn't high on my priority list to, to get out with Rafiki on a short-term missions trip. Uh, but I remember the summer before my uh, graduation from university in December, I was a senior in university that summer, just thinking late in the evening, I can't wait any longer. Mm. I need to get out onto the mission field. Mm. I've been waiting however many years since Since fifth fifth grade. grade. Yeah, Mr. McGoldrick. And Mr. McGoldrick, and I have to get out. And I was thinking through that because I was about to graduate and thinking how I wanted to go into a master's program. Mm -hmm. Another two years in the U.S. I can't do that, God. I Mm -hmm. have to get out there. Mm -hmm. So... The days went on, and later in the summer, I found myself at the Rafiki Home Office for a training to go out on a short-term trip Mm -hmm. to Ghana. And so I went that summer before I graduated in December from university for six weeks to Ghana. Before I left, the night before I left, I remember my parents having a conversation that I overheard in the next room, and they were telling themselves 
she's not going to want to come back. Hmm. And I thought to myself, yes, I am. Mm -hmm. I'm coming back. I need mm -hmm. to do my master's. I will show them. Mm -hmm. Well, I got to Ghana. I landed. You said it felt like home. When I landed, mm -hmm. it, I was driving through Accra, and just the thought came mm -hmm. through my mind, it's good to be home, mm -hmm. which struck me. Well, it's so true. Yes, yeah, and it was good to be home, and I was captivated. Mm -hmm. I got to the Rafiki village, and with two, within two weeks, I knew that this was it. Wow. And how did I know? It was the Bible study, first mm -hmm. and foremost. Mm -hmm. uh, our mission is mm -hmm. to help people know God, and mm -hmm. I saw that. That was at the forefront of everything that we did. It, it's the heart of everything we do, and the work is extremely effective and mm -hmm. fruitful because mm -hmm. of that. And to couple with that, there's also beautiful structure and organization, mm -hmm. um, beautiful order to the work that we do. And part of that is because we've been operating for 30 years mm -hmm. in Africa, and we're well established and have good manuals and policies and procedures. And so it was a beautiful experience for someone like me to step into that. And because of the Bible study and because of the order, I, I could be effective. I could be fruitful within those six weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I called my mom week two, said, this is it. I'm, I'm signing up. I don't know how, but I need to get out here. I still want to do my master's. Mm -hmm. Well, providentially, the home office came while I was in Ghana. You sat down next to me for two, three minutes. Mm -hmm. I told you how I wanted to do my master's, mm -hmm. but I also wanted to get out to Africa ASAP. Mm -hmm. And so you told me about Covenant hmm. and that program that I could do online, hmm. which there were not very many online mm -hmm. programs. There weren't. That was 2000 time. and what? 2010? 2009. 2009, mm -hmm. right. No, there mm -hmm. weren't. So... I had my answer right there. I came home, landed on a Saturday, went to church on Sunday, was at the Rafiki home office on Monday with Susie Harbick in mm -hmm. the exchange saying, sign me up. And she it. gave me the paperwork and started raising support, graduated that December. Wow. Um, you know, you know what I'm loving here? Because I'm, from both of you, I, I'm just seeing how compelling a call mm -hmm. really is. And I think that'll be another topic we can uh, discuss together uh, mm -hmm. in a um, in another podcast because a, all three of us have had just a sense of I cannot not go right right you you came back immediately and said I want to do this you wanted to do this I mean just signed up and I think that's essential for people to understand when it comes to calling to global missions and that's what we're doing in Rafiki so that's really excellent. Now, Erica, how about you? And why why do you think Rafiki is um, a place you like serving? Sure. Well, my first degree is in accounting. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we got the manual thing down. <laughs> Man, I love the manuals, which is great because I get to work on them in my current job, which I enjoy. Mm -hmm. So thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. So we have a plan, right? Mm -hmm. We have a structure and that that is that was appealing to both of you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the idea, or not just the idea, the the confidence that we have mm -hmm. that when we go into our work, even if something happens and we leave, right? I moved countries, mm -hmm. Kelly moved countries, and we both are mm -hmm. back here in the United States. Mm -hmm. But the work that we did there is not in vain mm -hmm. because that structure carries on with mm -hmm. a different person who will keep things moving in the right direction. And so the, the permanence mm -hmm. of the mission, it doesn't depend on me, mm -hmm. but I get to be part of it. Mm -hmm. 
That's a good point. And that kind of enhances your own fruitfulness, mm -hmm. right? Because you're not there reinventing the wheel, spending a lot of time doing that. You're stepping into mm -hmm. something that's bearing fruit. Let me ask you both this question, and then we'll, then we'll get into the main topic. Um, <clears throat> both of you were heads of school uh, for, the mo for, for your time out, for the most part, in, in Rafiki. Uh, you know, Africa is churched, right? A hmm. uh, lot, of, lot of churches. Um, we're not a church planting ministry. Uh, we don't plant churches. We're not running seminaries. Uh, we're doing classical Christian schools. We have been running orphanages. We're now doing classical Christian teacher colleges across 10 countries in Africa. So tell me, I mean, how, how valuable is this as a mission strategy? And, I, and I'll just throw it out there. I mean, I, I think it is in the sense that the, the Great Commission calls us to make disciples. And so uh, we, we think this is a great way to make disciples. But let me hear it from in your own words. Well, I will say that um, every teacher that I worked with, of course, went to church. Mm -hmm. But very few of them understood the content of the gospel and could articulate it well, hmm. and much less the implications mm -hmm. of what it meant hmm. on their lives. Hmm. And so, you know, your your point about <clears throat> discipleship is to take them beyond just hearing it to really comprehending mm -hmm. the content of the gospel and then making that application to see the assurance that it gives them of their salvation Oh, goodness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so many people in Africa struggle with that assurance. They're terrified. Yeah, right. We mm -hmm. see a lot of works theology, right? Mm -hmm. Either prosperity theology or works theology. How about you, Kelly? Mm -hmm. What would you say? Well, I think you had Pastor Ken mm -hmm. from Kenya mm -hmm. on the podcast mm -hmm. uh, earlier, and he used the phrase a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. And I've heard many other Africans use that same phrase. Mm -hmm. And so it's communicating their need to go deep. Mm -hmm. And the Rafiki Bible study leads the people that come under it mm -hmm. into a deep study of the Word of God. And it produces what Erica just expressed. Well, that's good. I'm glad you brought Ken Mbugwa up in terms of that. He's a Reformed Baptist pastor in Kenya. And I've heard that uh, a mile wide and an inch deep or even a mile wide and a centimeter deep now is what we're hearing. And also, I think the Gospel Coalition uses this phrase, a theological famine. And it's true. Bibles uh, are uh, expensive. Study Bibles exist, but they are out of reach for the common African, even pastors themselves. Uh, you have very few ordained pastors. You'll have one ordained pastor in 10 churches, perhaps. And so uh, there is a theological famine on the country and on the continent. And so that brings us to, you know, the main topic then that we want to talk about. The most essential class of the day uh, in a Rafiki village and in a Rafiki school is, as you can guess, Bible study. And we're going to talk a little bit about how that works in Africa at our villages. And Erica and Kelly are going to give us some examples of how it works and the fruitfulness and sort of why it's so essential. Um, the Rafiki Bible study was written by 18 notable theologians. Uh, men who are published, who are pastors, uh, seminary professors, um, published, as I mentioned, published uh, Bible commentary writers, uh, men that we have gotten to know over the last 35 years through our founder, Rosemary Jensen. And I won't give you their names, uh, but I will tell you this, the Rafiki Bible study was edited by Dr. David Wells. 
uh, of Gordon-Conwell uh, Seminary and Rosemary Jensen. So the Rafiki Bible study is probably the best thing that we have as a ministry. Mm. Um, we have every book of the Bible with lesson notes and questions. And then we took those 550 week-long lessons and distilled it to each different age group. So for example, we have preschool lessons, primary school lessons, junior high lessons, senior high lessons, and adult level lessons for every book of the Bible. I like to say we have every book of the Bible for every age level for every day of the week. So this is what we have in terms of a, of a resource that we use in all 10 of our classical Christian schools. Um, so let me ask you, uh, ladies, how did the school, your schools, implement the daily Bible study and what were the benefits to students and teachers? Well, I'll start with the teachers. So I just came from the Rafiki village in Uganda. And every single morning for about 20 minutes, the teachers and I would meet and we would go through the Rafiki Bible study for that week. And it's 20 minutes does not sound like a lot of time, but teachers who are listening will know you can fit a lot into 20 minutes mm -hmm. if you're well prepared and organized. And we are through the Rafiki Bible study. So we would start with a prayer and then we would go into the hymn for the week that we sang every single morning and then the teachers would go and lead their students in singing that same hymn and so by the end of the week you have that hymn memorized or partly memorized which is one of the benefits of the Rafiki Bible study. So prayer, hymn, they love to sing the hymn. Africans love to sing. That was something that that is something that I miss. Uh, now being here stateside is singing with them. And then we would read the scripture for that day. And then we would go through the questions for mm -hmm. that day in a discussion format. Mm -hmm. And they loved it. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that discussion would carry throughout the day to the lunch table. Mm -hmm. And after school, it wasn't uncommon for me to find teachers mm -hmm. huddled around picnic tables or in faculty rooms with their Bibles open and their Rafiki Bible study there talking mm -hmm. about something we had discussed that morning or preparing together for the next session. That's right. So the Rafiki Bible study, if I'm remembering correctly, so you've got everybody <clears throat> on the same chapter of scripture in that village. Is that right? Exactly. Everybody, the kitchen staff, mm -hmm. the security guards, the teachers, the mm -hmm. students, the missionaries, everybody's mm -hmm. studying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in your school, did you also have a weekly study with just the teachers? Sure. We did what Kelly did in Nigeria. We, we had the morning time. We usually spent about 15 minutes in the morning and then also once a week at the end of the day. And the teachers all knew very well that they could take personal time. I would find a substitute for them to take personal time any other time of the week but they were not to miss the teacher Bible study mm -hmm. because that's where their growth happened mm -hmm. so that they could then teach that Bible study to the students mm -hmm. faithfully and truthfully. Uh, so, you know, that speaks to the students part, right? Mm -hmm. So the kids are also studying it after teachers finish their prayer, they go to the classroom and every single class is studying the Bible study first thing in the morning from your preschoolers who are studying it for 15 minutes mm -hmm. um, to your primary students who study for 30 and then your secondary students who study from 45 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so everybody, the first part of their school day is working on that Rafiki Bible study together. Great. So the the morning study for each group, especially for the primary and secondary level kids, children, would be prayer and then sing a hymn. Are there memory verses? Oh, of course. Memory works. So memory we have work. verses and the catechism question okay. and the doctrinal focus. Right. We're all... Um, committed to memory wow mm -hmm. and and uh, and that's the first class of the day for the for the primary age kids first second third fourth fifth okay fancy mm -hmm. and and the whole the whole village would be on the book of matthew or the book of leviticus i mean we've got villages right now going to the book of leviticus i think mm -hmm. right exactly right yeah and and then and nobody out there has ever studied the book of leviticus most likely right <laughs> nobody here has probably studied the book of leviticus so well, that's great. So uh, I, am I right in understanding that within a 13 year, so like a child starts in kindergarten or say preschool, 13 years later, they will have gone through every book of the Bible. Is that mm -hmm. right? Right. Great. So tell me, what were the benefits to having a daily Bible study like this with teachers and students? What, what was one benefit, Erica, that you saw? Well, the incredible spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew myself mm -hmm. as I studied together. Mm -hmm. I saw growth in my teachers. Mm -hmm. um, I saw them, you know, learning to control their anger and be patient and mm -hmm. love their students better. Mm -hmm. um, and and our the parents reported to us that the moral behavior of their children, how their children spoke to them as parents mm -hmm. changed mm -hmm. because of their time in the Rafiki school. And it wasn't because we were standing around with rods smacking mm -hmm. the backs of their hands every time they disobeyed. It was because our day was rooted in the scripture and we could reflect back on that throughout mm -hmm. the day whenever whenever we needed to. Mm -hmm. By starting with that, how about mm -hmm. you, Kelly? Mm -hmm. Wholeheartedly agree with that. And mm -hmm. then on top of it, as I mentioned earlier, they end up memorizing almost a hundred hymns mm -hmm. by the time they graduate mm -hmm. from the Rafiki school. And these are hymns that the church has been singing for some, in some cases, over a thousand years. Mm -hmm. And it's the heritage, it's the history of the church. And we have a responsibility to pass this down to the next generation. And so what a, a treasure that a Rafiki student graduates with having these hymns memorized that are rich in theological truths. And then they also have um, become accustomed to studying God's word daily. Mm -hmm. They gain that as a habit. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that with our graduates. They leave the Rafiki village and within a week or two, they're calling us and saying, I want the Rafiki Bible study. Mm -hmm. I miss it. I need to be studying God's Word daily, and not only that, but my peers need it, that mm -hmm. I'm attending university with, and I want to lead them through it, too. Really? Wow. So, yeah, and in terms of uh, children's character or and, and or their conversion, I mean, did you witness uh, a good bit of that or hear of that, uh, testimonies to that effect? Well, certainly. Um, we... Most of mine for day students, of course, are coming from the parents mm -hmm. and they, how excited they are. You know, we've had parents come. I remember one story from Rwanda um, and then another from Malawi. That's almost the same where the parents said that they they were Christians. You know, they did go to church, but they couldn't really explain the Bible 
to the children. Mm -hmm. But after being in the Rafiki Bible study, the children went home and explained the Bible to to the the parents. parents. And we have, you know, children teaching their family how to pray Mm -hmm. and encouraging their family to go to church Mm -hmm. if they hadn't been regularly attending. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we see that spiritual growth in our children who are our residents. Um, I mean, this in this past year, we've probably had 20 or 30 kids um, be baptized or welcomed as members into their church. So we're seeing that conversion and that commitment growing. Mm -hmm. Of course, they all know the Bible, and that's a wonderful thing. It is a huge blessing to know the Bible, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's even greater when we see that knowledge move to faith. And and we're seeing that Mm -hmm. in some of our teens as they're growing. They're Mm -hmm. moving to that faith, and they're, they're seeing the implications of that on their lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about you, Kelly? Mm-hmm. Your experience yes. in Uganda and Rwanda? Yes, well, I'm, I'm thinking of many different stories, but one in particular over the past year, it was on several occasions I had teachers who would come to me after Bible study and express conviction mm-hmm. of sin, mm-hmm. which happens when we study the mm-hmm. Word of God, and it led them to repentance, mm-hmm. praise God, and a change in lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And same with our students. I, I think about a conversation that I had after a parent-teacher conference that one of our parents attended with their third grade uh, son's teacher, and she was walking out of that conference, and I met her, and she said, Uh, Thank you for instilling Christian values in my son through the Bible study. My son can pray. My son can talk about God. And my son relates everyday life to God. Wow. And so he's being formed to see the world uh, through a biblical lens, through a worldview, a biblical worldview. Yeah, that's and that's really key, isn't it, for all of us as believers Otherwise, you just you're a Sunday Christian and a Monday pagan, right? Mm-hmm. And our aim is that we would truly see these children as be dis- being disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, it was interesting. I remember one story too of one of our graduates who went off to university and was enticed by people who were uh, promoting false teaching, the prosperity theology. Theology, and I remember him telling me. He said, "You know." Uh, Because of the Bible study all these years, I know the difference and I can tell them I don't believe those kind of things and I'm not going to come off with you and go pray some crazy prayer over here. I mean, that's it it really does get instilled Mm -hmm. in the children. They're discerning, they're discipled. Um, and they're young men and women of good character. Uh, we have, uh, I think we also have something called home devotion pages. Did you all see some benefits from those? Uh, and how did that work? Well, those came out after I had come to work here at the home office. Mm -hmm. And so uh, most of my knowledge about those is secondhand. Do you mind if I share the story of how we started to produce them? No, not at all. Uh, So you and I, Karen Elliott and myself, (laughs) we went to visit a classical Christian school in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And they had the... A paper that went home and the families of the children in the school were expected to study the Bible school and the, sorry, the Bible study at home. And they actually did less of the Bible study in school. They just were expected to be able to respond to questions and mm-hmm. things like that because they had previously done it at home. And as rich as our Bible study is, and as deep as it is, we realize that, you know, our, our families who the families of our day students really didn't have a 
an opportunity to interact with it mm -hmm. that much beyond what the children brought home as their understanding. And so that's when um, one of our board members mm -hmm. was commissioned to start writing those. For free. <laughs> yes. On a voluntary basis. Yes, and she's fantastic. Mm -hmm. She's a man, did so many, and some uh -huh. other volunteers also joined in. Mm -hmm. And so what we've been hearing, of course, in these home devotion pages, they have the scripture that the children are going to be reading each day. Mm -hmm. It's got some questions for the family to discuss together, mm -hmm. a copy of the hymn on the back. So mm -hmm. they are learning the hymns, just as Kelly was saying, our children are learning them. And the memory work mm -hmm. is on there as well. And uh, so we've, we've heard stories of families just thanking us mm -hmm. for providing that resource to them. And one that I will tell a, a woman that I knew well in Nigeria uh, went home. She had two, or sorry, three children in our school and her husband was not a committed believer, but she went home and found him going through, pouring through those mm -hmm. home devotion pages. And he called her over and said, you know, I never knew this. I mm -hmm. never understood these things about the Bible mm -hmm. and was so amazed that he now had the opportunity to learn and to understand just as his children were. Wow. Yeah. And it really, it ties the family together mm -hmm. in the word of God. Mm -hmm. uh, the child and the child gets reinforced by the parents and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So how about you, Kelly? You have some stories about the home devotion pages. Sure. So it's a hand in hand commitment, right? Mm -hmm. Educating a child and mm -hmm. you, you want that partnership between the home and the school. And so the home devotion page helps to bridge that gap in this particular area and I'm thinking about one story of a, a three-year-old who went home and told his mommy, I quote, Mommy, did you know that Lot lived in wicked Sodom? <laughs> and so his mommy was able to pull out that home devotion page and use it to further conversation with uh -huh. her three-year-old son I love it. on what he learned that day through the Rafiki Bible study. Um, they also love the hymn. The parents love mm -hmm. having that hymn on the back of the page mm -hmm. because their first graders, second graders will come home and they know the tune, but the words are not quite cemented in their brain mm -hmm. yet. And so for the parents to be able to pull out that sheet and have the words there and to, for them to sing it together. You no, know, this is great. And what I'm thinking of something as y'all are talking too about this, what a message it sends to the families. In Africa, just like anywhere else in the world, parents want their children to do very well academically. And to a great degree, it is all test-focused. Mm -hmm. There are national exams that just uh, drive people uh, more than anything else. Uh, if you don't do well on a national exam, your life is over, practically. And I think it's interesting that what we send home with these children is not exam prep. Mm -hmm. It's not uh, a test booklet. Mm. It's it's getting to God's word. Mm -hmm. So tell me, tell me what kind of a, a message does this send to students and faculty when Bible study is the first class of the day? Um, what, what's the benefit to a school that does this? We're talking to educators out there right now, and and I'm I'm wanting to say to them, if you don't, if you're not doing this, you ought to. But tell them why. Well, first, let's just acknowledge that it's not easy. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, mm -hmm. when you put together a school schedule with all these different teachers and you're trying to fit them in at all the right times, sure, it would be a lot easier to be more flexible about where we teach Bible mm -hmm. because then we could make teachers available at different time schedules. 
Um, and so that that tells our teachers something, right? Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. was not easy to do, mm -hmm. but it is so important mm -hmm. that we did it anyway, mm -hmm. and we don't budge off of it. Mm -hmm. Secondly, our students and teachers are most fresh first in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so we're taking advantage of their just natural ability to pay attention really well. And we're spending that ability on the most important book they can ever read. Mm -hmm. Best so, time of the day for mm -hmm. the most important book. Mm -hmm. That's right. Good point. And, and also, you know, if something were to happen and we were to have to close school early, there's no question about how we're going to fit Bible in before the end of the school day, because it was done first. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, so, you know, it just, it sends the message is that there is no more important thing we study mm -hmm. than the Bible. Mm -hmm. And also throughout the rest of the day, we're integrating the Bible and a biblical worldview into the content that we teach. And so whatever our students have learned that morning, they, they're going to be able to connect it to mm -hmm. things that they're learning later in the day about the world that the Lord has created. Mm -hmm. And so it really sets the stage for a day that is connected by biblical truth mm -hmm. and, and how the Lord has structured his world. Mm -hmm. Great way to get that started up. Yes. Yeah. And you. Amen. Yes. What more is there to say? But I, I will but say. She will say. But will she say. also has something to add. Just in a different way. Um, everything is speaking to a student, right? In a school from the decor to the way that mm. people dress mm -hmm. uh, to the music that is played to the schedule. And mm. so what is our schedule communicating to our students? Mm. And so by Rafiki choosing to put Bible as the first class of the day for every single student, three years old through grade level 12, mm -hmm. That's what they're studying first and foremost. It's communicating to the students that this is the most important thing that we are going to study today, and it is the ultimate authority. We like to say that as Christians, that right. God's word is the ultimate authority, right. but we're actually showing them that yeah. by going to that first. Okay. Um, another quick question to help our audience understand. So in Africa, there are church schools and there are government schools and there are private schools. From your observation experience, did you see schools in general practicing something like this or how, how in even a Christian school was the Bible introduced in, in Africa? Well, it's very common to have a chapel mm -hmm. service mm -hmm. uh, once a week, okay. typically. That's okay. very common. I will say in Nigeria, I think most schools are, or Christian schools are praying at their morning assembly. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as going deep into a Bible study, I, I don't think so. I think most of that is done through that weekly chapel service. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, that's that's really a sermon, yeah. Not so much the children delving into the word themselves. Right. And really, I mean, how could you blame them for that? What school has enough Bibles on their shelves for every child to be reading the Bible? Well, that's a good point, because we do have that benefit at a Rafiki village, mm -hmm. um, classroom sets of Bibles, and even a Bible for every child who can read mm -hmm. uh, through the Rosemary Jensen Bible Foundation. Mm -hmm. And we continue to do that. And that's a very nice, it's a great gift. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something, there is there is engagement because the children, either once they're able to read, they are reading the passage out loud in class, right? Mm -hmm. The teacher reads to them and maybe in, in you know preschool, kindergarten, 
and first grade maybe, but then by second grade, they're reading it themselves, aren't they? Sure. Yeah, and it's yeah. a translation. It's not a, a children's story Bible. Mm -hmm. It's the Word of God mm -hmm. that they are reading and hearing mm -hmm. every single day. And we know God's Word doesn't go out void. Mm -hmm. And so this, this is why this is so essential to any school that claims to be Christian. That is, that is our distinctive. And if we're not, if we're not doing that, as the first class, as the first class of the day, I love what you said. You're fresh. It's the best part of your day for the most important uh, topic or class of the day. We have also made Bible study a Bible study. It's not a Bible class. Doesn't really get graded much. Mm. It's not. We're not sending the message just a subject like any other subject. Mm. It's its own study. We kind of decided that early on, and maybe you guys do tests and things, but <clears throat> we've tried to not make it that kind of a of a of a, a class. Do you have anything else to add about how it influences the tenor of the day? Mm, I'm just thinking about a story of um, conversation that I had with Michael, who is an administrator of a school that picked up the Rafiki Bible study. Hmm. And the school has over 500 students in it. And Michael is a new administrator to the school. And prior to coming to this school, he worked in many other schools throughout Uganda, public, and then those that are under the church. Hmm. And Michael came to me after several months of working in this school that's using the Rafiki Bible study as well as the Rafiki education system, so all of our curriculum. And he said to me, Never have I encountered students like students at this school, and mm. it's because of the Bible study. They're unique, they're different in their behavior, and you can see mm. the light of Christ in them in a mm. way that I haven't, even in these church schools. Mm. So it is extremely unique what we're doing through the Rafiki Bible study and very much needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because and it does get you in the Word of God, every book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Not It's not a topical study. Mm -hmm. It is straight through chapter by chapter. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you know, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's, it's deep and it's comprehensive. It really, really is. Well, uh, any final comments to our audience? And then I'm going to wrap up with a little update and an offer. Well, I was just thinking about the story you just told, Kelly, and how wonderful it is to see that this is replicable. Mm -hmm. There's not something different about Rafiki schools that make it possible for us to do this where mm -hmm. other people can't do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because our Bible study is available to other schools in Africa and even here in America, this can be repeated and they will see the same change. And as the children and the staff um, really come to know the Lord better. And so that's really the best part about it is that we don't have the secret sauce mm -hmm. that is hoarded only for our Rafiki schools. Other people can do this. That's right. And it's the key part of what we are trying to do in Africa. We're hoping to see a thousand schools adopt our classical Christian curriculum. But the primary part of that is the Bible study. Mm -hmm. uh, schools that haven't been studying the Bible every day, children that haven't been doing that, families that haven't, and then by God's grace, there could be a thousand of them. That's what we hope mm -hmm. to see happen. Mm -hmm. A final comment from you, Kelly? Sure. I'll just say they are so hungry for it. Okay. The people on the continent of 
Africa and I would argue worldwide are mm-hmm. hungry for a deep study of God's word. Mm-hmm. And the Rafiki Bible study delivers that. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of multiple conversations that I've had over the past 11 years with Rafiki employees in Rwanda and in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And one in particular, Grace, I was talking with him earlier this year. He said to me, the best part about working at Rafiki one, the Bible study, two, the Bible study, three, the Bible study, <laughs> conversation after conversation like That's that. Great. I've had teachers who have moved away for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And in a closing mm-hmm. conversation with them, they have told me I have loved working here, but the best part mm-hmm. and what I will miss most is the Rafiki Bible study. So it's hallmark, and they're hungry for it, and it's extremely effective and fruitful. Mm. Well, it's the way to get you into the Word of God on mm. a daily basis. Yes. So, you know, the Great Commission, we started out talking about the call of uh, Kelly and Erica to this work, and uh, the Great Commission calls us to, to make disciples. And uh, we in the Rafiki Foundation have found over 20 years of doing this in our schools, 22 years practically of classical Christian schools in Africa, we've found that the Bible study is the most essential class of the day. And it and God uses that to, to really fulfill that great commission. Children coming to know the Lord because they're hearing God's word read to them and explained to them every school day. Um, and uh, children coming to know the Lord, and then children's character being developed. Kids are, children are teaching in Sunday school. They're serving in the community. They're helping at the village. They're helping their parents understand the gospel. Um, It's just a phenomenal. Of course, we're seeing children now finish college and go out into the community and impacting whole groups. And so the Bible study is essential to that. One of the things we do, of course, is the whole campus is in the same chapter. It really unites a group of people together. If you want to avoid mission drift, start studying the Bible every single day in your school this way, and everybody literally on the same page. So if you want to avoid mission drift, if you want to train in virtues, you don't need a whole other course. I've always said that. Who needs another course if you teach the Bible? Isn't that sufficient? I mean, it really should be. And so by God's grace, we have this resource. Uh, One of the things I want to mention to you that Rafiki is doing, we, of course, are working in Africa, 10 countries in Africa. Uh, But also in America, we are hoping to start a classical Christian school right here in Eustis, Florida. Uh, We are also talking with other schools here in America uh, about using our Rafiki classical Christian curriculum and the Bible study. So if any of you listening to this would be interested in using the Rafiki Bible study in your schools or in a homeschool environment, we have the resources available and uh, it's incredibly affordable, uh, but yet it also helps to aid our work in Africa. So you can buy a set and practically give a set to uh, a, a school in Africa for your own school. So we encourage you to kind of check us out on our website and, and, uh, and, and also, or give us a call to find out more about our Rafiki Bible study and Rafiki Classical Christian Curriculum, which also is available here in the States. The other thing I might mention is we did talk about missionary calling here on this podcast. And maybe some of you right now uh, are wondering if God might be calling you 
to serve on the mission field with Rafiki in Africa. We have opportunities for uh, heads of school and heads of teachers' colleges. I will finish with this one question then. My real question to you is this. Is God called you to stay in America? Is there a calling, a compelling call that has kept you here in the United States? If not, I would then ask you to get on your knees and ask God to let you go to the mission field, uh, to, to give you that opportunity. Because you know what Jesus promises. He says, if you leave father or mother or lands or houses, you will get what? A hundredfold in this life and the world to come. And yes, with persecution. So I would encourage you to run, not walk to our website and sign up for a short-term mission opportunity. And who knows, you might be signing up the very next day like these two here. Thanks for listening and tune in to the next one.